Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutrition professor, and I'm a bodybuilder. Rob Fortress Fortney, uh, journalist, editor, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm, I guess I'm just a man of many hats. Uh, Strength Guild, LiftForHope.org, and a bunch of other crap. Uh, powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. You're just a man. I'm a man of men. Um, <laughs> and today with us, speaking of man of men, we got Jim Windler on. Jim, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Phil. I appreciate it, buddy. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to start out. Rob's got some news, and Lonnie's got a couple blurbs, too, that maybe we can all uh, put our two cents in on. Yeah, I just want to make the point, because sometimes we bring it, brought this up. Uh, well, I have brought this up, um, and it happened this time. Uh, one of our listeners, Iron Radio listeners um, from Manitoba, Winnipeg, Manitoba, here in Canada, he flew into Toronto a few days ago, um, for some business and he decided to give me a, give me a, send me an email, uh, to see if I want to do some training. So him and I actually got together on Tuesday night at my gym and we, uh, we did some bench pressing. So, it, and, and there's a picture that I, we took of, uh, him and I. And I believe, Lonnie, you're going to put it up on Facebook or something. <laughs> Oh, it's easy to just say, Lonnie, hey, fix the archives. <laughs> Lonnie, post a picture. Yeah, Lonnie, well, if you don't RSS, do it. Lonnie, write the web page. <sighs> Am I the break this outfit or what? I will just, I, I'll add in on this. I, I'd like to say I will do the same thing. Anybody that wants to fly in here, and I'll only charge like seven ninety nine ninety five. <laughs> so it's very inexpensive. Um, I'll even take you out to dinner. No, but anyway, Jeff Chester, he, uh, he flew in and we had a good, uh, session. Nice guy. He's 35. He's 235. He, he's done a few, uh, different powerlifting competitions and he's a strong guy. So, uh, we had a good time and yeah. So anybody who does come into the Toronto area, uh, you can contact me through the ironradio.org webpage. And if it works out, it works out, man. And this time it happened too. So very cool, very cool. Um, and the next thing I want to say is we got we, we're getting a lot more emails lately, but we got one here from uh, I believe his name is Sean, and uh, he's been training for three years, pure and hard. He's looking for more strength. In, he's he, oh god, what are you laughing at? I'm looking for more. I'm looking for strength and power. Hence, I found powerlifting. And from the research I've done, you're you were the guys to ask. He's done research, and we're the guys to ask. Apparently, in the last well, eight research is all fucked up, isn't it? It is. We don't know what we're talking about. In the last eight months, I've started Romanian deadlift. He said Roman deadlift and squat. He squats on a machine because I really don't know the technique. Um, he's been getting great results. Now, look at powerlifting. I fall in love with it. Um, he likes to push his body to limits. Um, anyway, he wants to know, to begin with a program, three days a week to go hard. Um, be hard doing five days a week because he has kids. Anyway, he wants to build a strong foundation, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, we're not going to go on and on about this, uh, Sean, simply because you're, you're, you know, your question is a very broad one. Um, but conversely, at the same time, um, it's easily answered <laughs> in, in a very basic way. 
Um, certainly anybody here can chime in, but certainly what I'll say is the fact that you have three days to go hard is more than adequate. Um, if you're, if you're looking to gain strength and power, um, and go that kind of purist route. I mean, for, for this guy, I, I would, uh, and you guys again can suggest something different if, if you feel like it, but I would just suggest the guy just do each of the main lifts, maybe one of the day a week, you know, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that. Squat bench and deadlift or however you find well, it. For, and as far as proper, you know, he says he doesn't know how to do this technique, so he uses squats on a machine. That's not an excuse, Sean. No. Um, I mean, with the, Dude, with the advent, anyone anyone can learn how to squat, man. Yeah, well, yeah with the ad, is, certainly with the advent of freaking the internet, and clearly you're on yeah. it. Um, you go on YouTube, type in squat, yeah. and, and look at you know three or four dozen people squat, and you'll start seeing the guys who you know you can sense know what the hell's going on, and the, the guys who don't know what's going on. So let's not use that as an excuse because that's that's not a good excuse. Um, Romanian deadlift, those are good, but. Again, um, you know, of, of the dozen or so variations of deadlifts that you can do, um, do them all, and certainly don't neglect just just the simple putting it on the floor and pulling it up, um, however way you can. Um, and yeah, and I would just do, like I said, maybe those three days a week, something like that. Do the main lift, and then maybe do maybe two or three accessory um, exercises uh, around it. Uh, you know, you're in the gym for maybe an hour and a half max, and you're done. Eat, sleep. Uh, don't let, let the baby piss you off too much. And, uh, yeah. Uh, does anybody else have any words of advice? Yeah, for go him? ahead, Jim. What were you going to say? Uh, I mean, there's no excuse not to. I mean, he can squat, or he can, uh, talk about training three days a week. I mean, I think it's kind of a moot point if you're not squatting and, and deadlifting. I mean, he just, yeah. if he wants to compete in powerlifting or just wants to pretend like he is, it's, I mean, he's not even doing, he's only doing one of the lifts. I mean, you know, Bench presses are just bodybuilders refuse to diet. You know, bench specialist. Um, so I don't care if he lifts one day a week, if he bench squats and deadlifts one day a week, as long as he's got to do that. So uh, three days a week. I mean, I would assume he's probably. Uh, he said he's a beginner. I mean, he could easily get a workout in 45 minutes. I mean, it's not like he's working up to 585 or 625 for a triple. I mean, he's probably working up to 185. It's not going to take that much time. So um, he's got more than you know. He's got no excuse and, and every uh, every reason to do it. So, yeah, no, that, that, that's 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 what I was basically trying to say. You really don't yeah. have any excuses. You have more than enough time. Like Jim says, um, you know, w- without being condescending at all, you probably are not, um, you know, squatting great amounts of weight five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds. So you know, working up to your work sets is not going to take that long. So, yeah, he's actually right. You know, 60 minutes or, or, or so, give or take, five, ten minutes, three days a week should be, a, you know, a no-brainer as far. And, again, don't use the excuse that you don't know how to do the right technique because, you know, all of us on this show learn how to do the right technique pre-internet. <laughs> so, you know, without I mean, I we were Yeah, we were talking about this the other day, a friend of mine. We actually learned how to squat on a, from a fucking picture on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at it, if you, and that's how it was. It was one of those, you know, bio, like, uh, anatomical pictures, you know, that showed the, the quads and the ass all red because those are the muscles that the squat works, you know? Yeah. Uh, and all, you know, and I, I was thinking, like, how, you know, how did, how did it become so hard? And it's just like, as long as you don't, if you took a dump on the floor and if you shit on your feet, then you're wrong. Right? <laughs> and that's all yeah, it came down to. Say, like, I, I, have, I have the, I have the athletic, because people are like, ah, oh, you must have been athletic. So the only thing I have, I possess the ability not to shit on my feet. That's all it comes down to. 
And you know, you and the thing is, you, it, one of the best things, you know, that you can actually do, Sean, is fall forward and fall back a few times. Because when you yeah. do that a few times, um, you'll learn, you know, that you're... What is bad <laughs> and what is good. You'll, you'll start learning your balance and where your mechanics lie and where your leverages lie. And like I said, I think it's the second set I ever did at squats when I was 15 years old. I, you know, I pitched forward and crashed into the mirror, you know, so I, I learned how to not do that. Well, you know, he might have to swallow his pride a little, too. I mean, even if you just got to put the bar on your back or 135 or something as you're getting used to all this. Just That's what I was going to say. Um, you know, the best, the, the best way to suck at something is to keep not doing it. Him not squatting is just making him suck even worse at That's it. That's good, Phil. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, for that, take a month and you're trained three days a week, go in there and squat every damn day until you learn how to squat. It doesn't mean you have to go in there and go max out, but go learn how to squat. Take a month and learn how to squat. You know what? When my son um, was learning soccer, I used to tell him, just have time. You need more time with the ball on your feet. And that's yeah. exactly what you're saying. Just more time with the bar on your back. You know? Exactly. And then, you know, he can go in and squat and then hit his bench. He can go in and squat and then hit his deadlift. You know, and then one day just go in and squat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> until he knows how to squat. Right. Um, it'll come along pretty quick. You know, you get 10,000 you know, reps in. You'll, you'll, it's, it's interesting because, and I, I don't mean to rip on anybody that has a trainer or somebody that, you know, that's helping them. But seriously, in my experience, that most of the people who actually really succeed in the weight room are people who don't rely on, you know, trainers and all that kind of stuff. They, they're self-motivated. Um, they, they figure things out themselves. You know, they go through periods of making really dumb rookie mistakes, but everybody does that no matter what you do. So, you know, just be willing to make mistakes, be willing to work hard and look foolish and get somewhere. Like Phil With, says, you, you'll, you can never get anywhere by not doing something. So don't use that as an excuse, man, like at yeah. all, at all. I will say uh, that I, your statement's true with the exception of every single client in my gym. They're all better off because they're with me. Well, you're one of a kind, though, man. That goes without saying. Fantastic. Okay, listen, you guys, this is a decent segue. This is almost like we know what we're talking about here, like we have some yeah. kind of programming. Uh, what I wanted to talk about was I just had a conversation with a couple of uh, senior you know, undergrad students, and they're doing this literature review on whether or not if you add in any kind of endurance-type training, does it hamper strength gains, right? So they're, they're panning through the literature, and – they're just signed, they're kind of stymied and bewildered because they're like, okay, these two studies look like concomitant endurance training does not hamper maximum strength development. And so, you know, we're talking about some of the things that go into this, you know, like some of these are, are um, you know, they're beginners, they're elderly people and that kind of thing. And actually these guys are quite clever. They're saying, you know, that one of the differences is in some of these studies where they show that the combined endurance training does not really affect strength gains. Because, I mean, you think about how powerlifters are training. You know, they're not going and running 5 and 10 miles on their off days, you know. And they're like, you know, I think the difference is that, you know, in a lot of these studies, because the studies would, they're very specific, right? So in the studies, if you get an older person who goes from benching an Olympic bar to an Olympic bar with 10 pounds on either side, regardless of whether or not he does his cardio, you know, that's a far cry from someone trying to get his bench up to 365 from 315, you know, while he's actually running 10 miles every day on his off Absolutely day. Absolutely good point, yeah. You know? And you've got to consider that your thing about, you know, doesn't adversely affect strength. How many of the people that, yeah, they're, they're not obviously using, you know, like high-level, high-caliber, accomplished strength athletes in that. Precisely. And, you know, actually one of them actually said, and it made me think of some very prominent people in the industry, he said, you know, 
what if you dumped more calories in the system? Would that fix it? You know, because in a way you're trying to hit two dart boards with one dart. You know, you've only got so many resources in your body. And if you're building tons of mitochondria and heart function and all this kind of stuff, that could be at the expense of building contractile proteins or, you know, just our neuromuscular ability, you know, in, in a specific way. And so I said, well, you know, I think two things. One, yes, if you dump in more calories. But I think the other thing, too, is when you look at some of these guys who do large amounts of what they would call conditioning. I don't think they would call it cardio necessarily, but they do huge amounts of high-volume conditioning work between their very low-rep heavy days or what have you. Those guys, they're not just dumping calories into the system, wink, wink, right? So there's there's more than calories going into those systems. They're They're also overcoming... Uh, hormonal limitations and things like that, you know. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, the guy that you were just discussing, Rob, he's like, you know, how should I set this up and set up a program? And I think one of the things that you start to think about early on with strength development is how much accessory work and how much conditioning work should I actually add, you know, as opposed to just sitting on my ass, on you know, when I'm not in the gym. Well, it's dependent on the individual as well, where they're at. And what they're trying to do, you know, if he just wants to be an all-around okay person, fine. Add in your conditioning work. Well, but, sure. um, you know, it should be add, add things for a reason. There's no reason for me as a powerlifter and Highland Games athlete to try and get good at running a 25k. It's not going to help me in any way. But me going out and doing conditioning work with a heavy prowler and running 40s or something, sure, that's going to help. Yeah. But but even even that, you know, you everybody's got to sort of decide what percentage of my work is going to be that versus oh, yeah. you know, my my specialty, you know, lifts or whatever. And there's a point of diminishing returns. I mean, there's not you can't out eat everything. You just no, can't you do no, it. you can't. That's right. That's right. And, and, and okay, and on to other news just quickly. I I haven't been reading much science lately. I thought I would just share this. This is we'll call it another reason to eat some extra protein here. Uh, effects of inflammation on the need for dietary protein. I just thought this was interesting. This is from Biolo, who's a very prominent researcher in the protein field. It's a 2009 paper. And look at this. It says, um, a protein intake of 1.2 grams per kg per day is currently recommended for inactive individuals. Uh, it says, but in patients with systemic inflammation, those needs are increased by 25%. So, again, my guess is most guys listening to this show, you know, they're probably eating... Uh, Plenty of protein, but I think it's just interesting. One more reason to get enough protein, 25% increase in your protein needs when you have chronic inflammation, you know. And, I mean, even if you think about, like, muscle soreness, that's that even that is inflammation. But, anyway, they're talking about how otherwise you'll deplete uh, certain amino acids that are involved in the, uh, the inflammatory process and things like that. So, yet another reason, you know, get enough calories and protein, in this case, protein. So, anyway, that's all I've got. Okay, well, you know, we'll go back to Jim then. <laughs> Jim, thanks again for joining us. Um, we're we're going to kind of dig into your mind then for a while. Um wanted to say a few things first. Since the last time we had you on the show, um, I just wanted to congratulate you. You're a, uh, you're a father again for the second time. Um, yes, I am. And uh, your uh, soon-to-be wife just said yes. So congratulations on both of those. Yes, well, it's... Uh uh, thank you. If you saw my uh, fiance, then you know I'm pulling the wool over her eyes too. Uh, but yeah, we just uh, baby James or James or whatever uh, was born uh, in August, and so he's at a little over three months old right now. And uh, over Thanksgiving, uh, I uh, 
past Juliet to marry me. So it's pretty, you know, I've obviously uh, had my ups and downs with marriage, but, uh, you know, this is definitely uh, what I need and where I need to be in my life right now. So it's been nothing but good. So thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Phil's Phil's been along for the ride for a while, so. There you go. Um, Let's hit on, uh, what do you got going on of late? Um, You you got some books coming out, things like that. Yeah, we got... um, we had to re- release a, a, a second edition. Again, Bill knows this, the, pretty much the whole story, but um, to make a long story short, uh, someone had uh, illegally and still illegally uh, sells uh, the original 531 book on Amazon. And uh, in order to combat that, the only thing I can do uh, right now is release a second edition. Um, so if you buy a book off of Amazon, my book off Amazon, and it's not sold by me. If it's sold by anyone else, by Amazon or anyone else, it was illegally obtained. And uh, so we've been fighting the shit out of this. we got lawyers, and I don't know what else to do. So, uh, I mean, people are, uh, we've, uh, right now, they've made about 25 grand off us. And wow. uh, we, haven't seen, we haven't seen a fucking penny, and that was, yeah, so... Just find out the bootlegger's exact address and send it over to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just been a nightmare. I mean, because it's you know it's something you've worked your whole life. You know, not obviously the five but uh, the five one, but you know, just training and stuff, and to see someone else profit from it, uh, and you know, and just being sick about it. So, uh, so we released that uh, thirty six more pages. Uh, we have stuff on rest pause training, like dog crap style training, uh, CrossFit, um, diet. How to program all your assistance lifts, it's like the big assistance lifts, for example, like a front squat, not a face pull is what I'm referencing. Um, we have a whole bunch of full body stuff that was a huge hit uh, with a whole bunch of uh, friends before we actually published it. People loved it, and I put it out on Team Nation, and that, that kind of blew up, so we have some stuff on there. So, um, again, it's all very easy, very easy to implement. Uh, I've never made any uh, grand uh, declarations uh, to quote one of my shirts of being uh, the smartest person in the world. I, am, I know how to uh, to break everything down so I can understand it because I'm, I'm done with shit. So hopefully everyone else can understand it. And that's just pretty much what it comes down to. Then uh, I outlined last night about, uh, that was up till like 5 this morning, um, outlined a new book on uh, conjugate training for uh, raw Raw strength and size. Um, so we're going to do that. We got one coming out for women um, with Juliet. Juliet Dean is my fiance, and uh, if anyone knows who she is, she's stronger and shit, lean, and always in shape. Uh, to give you an idea, she did. You know, James, <clears throat> James was born on August 25th, and she was doing chin-ups on the 24th. So you do the you do the math on that one. Yeah. yeah. She also pulled uh, a week prior that she deadlifted two twenty five for six or something like that. Nice. And she doesn't weigh anything, um, except when she's pregnant. She's a big old belly. Uh, imagine that, huh? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think of what else we got going on. We got the t-shirts. We got the hoodies uh, that are coming out. <clears throat> we have the beanies coming out. Um, the new store is going to be open soon. Um, we got a ton of shit going on. And then we have the NOV book, which is going to be massive. The NOV book is just basically means north of edge. It's a training compilation and life compilation of everything of uh, how to suck it up and be a man and quit being such a plus, basically, is what it comes down to. So, 
So I got a lot of stuff going on. It's just a matter of you know trying to focus everything and, and get it all done. So that's that's in a nutshell. I'm boring as hell. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got going on right now, training wise? Um, well, up. what you know, I have. Uh, I just went got back from the doctor yesterday. I have to get uh, a couple of MRIs. I need to get my shoulders, uh, my rotators, and my labrums fixed. So um, training wise, I train twice a week usually two or three times a week. I can't obviously do any pressing, so it's basically a ton of squats, a ton of deadlifts, um, a lot of prowler work. Um, you guys are talking about conditioning, um, oh. stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, <clears throat> I, hate, I hate to burst everyone's bubbles, but, I mean, you can overcomplicate a lot of this stuff and, and you know, put a little bit of science behind it, but uh, when it comes down to it, if you really look at the strongest people in the world, on one way or another, they all squat, press, and pull. Yeah. And they all get a little bit better each each time, or try to get a little bit better. That's it. I, mean, I don't know what else to tell people. So, um, but what I did, you know, just I think people need to, to realize this too is is uh, I, I wrote a a ten point thing. I actually put it in my the five three one the new five three one book. I just call it the training rules to be awesome. And what it is is basically my ten commandments of training. So whenever I get off kilter, I read some article that I want to change this or that or whatever. Or uh, <clears throat> whatever you feel like you're kind of losing your way, you always refer to it. It's like your Ten Commandments, and uh, so I, I think it's, it's become more and more um, relevant now. It's like, you know, I've got so much stuff going on. If I ever want to not do something or do something or something, I you know, want to add something, plant into my my program. Uh, I always turn to that and say, "Well, does this follow my commandments, my my rules?" And if it doesn't, I just ditch it. So. Something to think about. No, that sounds good. Um, yeah. So you, yeah, you know, I mean. Should I, I, should I swear more? <laughs> no. no. I was going to say, swearing is always good. I'm like the grammar police. We're, we're going to yeah. get bumped off of iTunes. I'm going to have to reprogram our feed to have explicit tags all over it. And Jim is our number one offender. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Dude, no one buys an album that says, you know, approved by Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you. Yeah, exactly. That that little warning tag usually ups the sales of, of well, albums. Yeah. Big time. That's, that's you know what? We'll do it. I'll, I'll add it this time. I'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Explicit drug information. There you go. There you go. So we'll take a short break, and then we're going to come with yeah. the topic today. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> your weekly fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email 
Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, and we're back. Um, got Jim Windler on the line again, and he's joining us today. We're going to hit him with the topic of the day we all kind of came up with. It's um, of, of it's, talking about raw and equipped powerlifting. Um, Jim kind of has a background in both. So we want to know which of the three lifts is most affected by going raw compared to equipped, and then how each lift feels different, raw versus equipped exactly, how you might train for it, and this and that. Major differences. Uh, so, major difference. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, Sam. Sorry, I just shoved something in my mouth. Nice. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, let me, I'll dive in while you chew. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard Phil say to me. Team effort. So yeah. let's start with, do you think one of the three big lifts are are really more affected, raw versus equipped? Um, I'll, I'll, you know, everyone will always say the bench and squat are, and that's definitely true, but, uh, you can't, I've seen people who can barely pull, you know, 600 pounds of a sumo deadlift put on a canvas suit and pull in the, in the 800s. So every lift is combined. It's just that the people who don't know a goddamn thing about lifting weights will always say the deadlift isn't, but it is. There you go. Yes. Simple truth. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because after my last meet, I really saw what you're saying because we had a guy at the meet who was not a particularly large guy. Um, you know, his bench and his squat was pretty good, but then he went to do deadlifts and he was a sumo guy. Um, and he was backstage, you know, without his, without his uh, you know, deadlift suit on, and he was he was doing all right, but you never would have guessed when he was doing warm-ups for like 500 that he would eventually, you know, make an attempt at like 740. I don't think, he didn't yeah. get it. He didn't get it, but he got damn well close, and it blew my mind, and it kind of really stuck in me exactly what you're saying. I thought, you know what, I, I, I don't think it's quite as disparate between the other two as I, you know, as yeah. I used to think it is. Um. But yeah, it's just, you know, you also have to look at the percentage of the lift. For example, some people will say your squat suit adds, you know, 300 pounds. Well, if you're already at 800 pound raw squatter, you know, what's 300 pounds? So you have to look at the percentage of the lift also. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, but yeah, that's just, that's just, you know, it's funny if you always read on, you can always tell a, a, a person who doesn't really lift weights or who is a new person to the weight room, to the weight room, who always talks about how great the deadlift is. Because it's usually what they have the most success with. So that's uh same thing with the equipment stuff. It's people who don't really know how, the, how it's working. Uh, well, yeah. all the isn't affected, but it very, very much is. Even, even, even if you pull conventional and you have a good fitting suit, uh, a metal deadlift suit is an amazing suit, and it gives you a tremendous pop. And, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, I, you always see these kind of anomalies once in a while, you know, who are these kind of twink looking guys and they're Pulling some ridiculous weight for their size, um, yeah, but you know, and, and they can't like, squat and bench press crap. You know what I mean? And, but very yeah, rarely, but, very rarely do yeah. you see somebody who's you know a strong, really strong bencher or squatter who you know it doesn't have at least a respectable deadlift. It seems like deadlift is one of those lifts where you can you know there's some people who could just for whatever reason can pull a shit ton of weight, but well, you know yeah, they can't you know, bench think, and squat with a damn. Yeah, well the thing is, if you're built really built to deadlift, you usually are very lanky with long arms. Mm-hmm. And then and that means you're going to be an awful squatter, an awful bencher. You know, the funny thing is, in the in the 
in the the world of newbie strength, if you have a great deadlift and a shitty squat and shitty bench, that's okay. But if you have, if you squat 800 pounds raw, bench 500, and only pull 650, people call you the biggest fraud in the world, even if it's all raw. Yeah. But you know those are, you know it's just an interesting concept that they'd rather be shitty at everything than uh, <laughs> gonna be great at one. I, I I mean I would rather squat a thousand raw and pull 400. Fuck yeah. man, how many people do you know squat a thousand raw? You know, everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's just an it's just an odd thing how the uh, general public, at least in the weight rooms, you know. Well, I think they I think you hit on a big thing that they don't realize is just body type. That you know, you got the guys with short arms, short legs versus the guys. You know, me, I'm six foot two and I'm like five foot of legs. So (laughs) and arms, and I'm a good deadlifter. I got a short torso, and you know, squatting for me though is it's moving four and a half, five feet of legs around. It's it's not a fun thing. Yes. but that's, I mean, again, that's no reason to let yourself suck at it. It's just you got to work harder no, than everything else. No, But, <clears throat> so, um, let, let's go maybe one at a time. How? Uh, we'll start with the squat, I guess. Um, how, what would you say the major differences are and maybe how you train for a, a raw squat versus an equipped squat? Who's going first here? You. This is all okay. about you, Jim. Today, all you're right. a man. Uh, okay. Well, first of all, I, I wrote a whole article about this called Casual Friday. If you have ever worked with a suit, the whole point of the suit is you put this, you got to have the hips very tight and you got to have the straps very tight or as tight as you can take them. And the whole point of, of, of squatting with a suit is you have to maximize it. So you need to basically stretch the butt back while maintaining a fairly upright torso and stuff like that. That way, the straps and the butt are as far away as possible. Basically, like, it's like uh, pulling apart a rubber band, okay? Um, so you need to sit back far, open up the knees. You want to obviously squat with a wider stance. It's more uh, easier to reach parallel and stuff like that. Um, and you want to maximize the suit at the bottom. That's what's going to give you the, the advantage. Um, when you squat raw, it's, exa- it's almost exactly the opposite if you want to think about it because the strength curve turns then. Uh, and it's... Now the easiest part of the lift is no longer going to be at the bottom. It's going to be at the top. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to everyone? Yeah. So when you lift with uh, equipment, especially with a bench shirt or a squat suit, the strength curve is completely turned around. And that's why if you're watching a guy bench with a bench shirt, he can rock the bar off the chest but can't lock it out. There's not a lot of people who raw bench. And there's, there's certain exceptions, but when you ever use, you never use an exception to prove the rule, you prove your ignorance. Um, so it's, it's the same thing with, uh, so it, it changes the strength curve completely around. But with the squat, obviously, you, <clears throat> both lifts, whether raw or equipped, you gotta basically squat down. It's just how you squat down. It's gonna make a big difference. In order to squat down for a suit, you've gotta push back farther and, and, uh, squat with a little bit of wider stance to maximize the suit. Hey, Jim. Raw, it's not gonna work like that. Yes. Uh, I, w- I wanted to ask for beginning listeners, and even for myself some, what yeah. would you suggest if somebody wants to go buy a you know a squat suit for their first yes. de- first deal you know first attempt or whatever would you suggest something that's n- not as tight or different in some way or, or what what's your thought on that? Uh, it's going to be a little bit different with everyone, and I'll give you an example. If, if you've got some kind of athletic background and you, you you've got you can you know play basketball, I don't know, whatever then it's going to be a lot different than a kid who just kind of stumbles in the weight room, maybe has no athletic experience and is, and is 
is really shooting for glory in the weight room other than the athletic field. Does that make sense to you? Because there's going to be a huge – it's just like uh, because a kid who's got the athletic abilities, you know, you can say, all right, dude, listen, you're going to have to push your knee, your right knee out a little bit more. We're going to open up the stance a little bit and push your butt back. So he's going to get all those cues right away. Mm -hmm. So he can go into a more advanced suit. Uh, You know, if if you don't have that kind of body awareness, then then, uh, you're going to have to go into something lighter. The ironic thing is – the way suits are made these days, at least with the, the single ply and double ply, there's not a huge disparity anymore like there once was. Now, of course, you have some of the, the very beginner suits that in their cells, but that's just a waste of your money because you're going to buy one and you're going to. It's like buying a. Uh, it's like buying a a, a a sports store from Harley. Yeah, everyone wants to turn their sports store into an old shopping, right? The beginner bike. By the time you're, you know, three months into it, or you know, two weeks into mm-hmm. it, you want to buy, you want to buy a better and bigger bike. Gotcha. The same thing with suits. Mm-hmm. So it's almost better that you kind of get something a little. I'm not saying you have to go get a canvas suit, but something maybe a little more advanced, and uh, just learn your way into it because you're going to get there sooner, sooner than later. And you're going to, you it's, it's expensive hobby, man. You're right. Well, you know, like Phil look, said. Look, well, I was going to say, how long, how, when you say learn your way into it, what, what, what's a realistic time frame? Uh, to learn how to wear, wear a suit? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, do I, I've, I've learned a suit in the meat. You well, know, you know what so, I mean? I mean, as far as, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe getting maybe. used to it, you know, because, uh, if, let's say somebody's been lifting for a couple of years, but they're just kind of spinning their wheels and they started getting interested in powerlifting, you know, they're going to go buy a suit. Uh, how long should they train in that before they entertain the idea of trying to compete in it or something like that? Um, I don't know, maybe five or six times. I think you should be able to get it. Oh, okay, um, that's my that's my. I don't think it's, you know the thing is that people make it out into this like they're doing brain surgery, like you got to dial this suit in and do this and do that. Dude, I don't think it's that hard. Okay. I think they make it that hard to make themselves feel like they're actually doing something. That's just my personal opinion. No, good. Um, okay, yeah. You know, and it's. <clears throat> Any way you cut it, you still put a bar in your back and you push your butt, you know, you squat down. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Um, so, but it also helps, you know, when I learned how to use a suit and a shirt and I didn't have anyone to help me, you know, I just kind of winged it and hoped for the best. Um, and sometimes that's the best way to do it because you end up, like we we're talking about squatting and falling forward. You learn, you learn through, through the, uh, you know, through the trials by fire. And I, sometimes I think that's the best way because those lessons will always stick. But if you do have someone to kind of help you out a little bit here and there, it'll definitely help. You know, the problem is, is you better hope that advice is good. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever read message boards, it probably is. <laughs> here's here's one for you. It's an interesting topic I've talked to, to a lot of people about. Um, do you think – I'm seeing more and more kids come out today, and they jump right into suits and shirts and whatnot, and it's kind of – they're able to glorify their lifts a bit, and they just haven't put in the time to actually get strong. Yeah. Um, do you feel there should be kind of like a, a, a rites of passage? I mean, I've seen kids that they've, they've squatted like 275, and, and well, yeah. I'm going to start wearing a suit now. Yeah, you know? I think, you know, I don't think there should be any kind of rule. Um, cause I, I'm, we have enough rules. But I, I think what happens yeah. is it's not even from a earn your stripes kind of thing. I think it's more of a safety issue. Yeah. You know, your body... If you can't do a squat with a barbell on your back and, like, you know, a belt on or something from parallel all the way up, okay, if your body's telling you something. Something's not right. Okay, it could be muscular. It could be cell, but something's just not ready. Maybe your mind isn't ready. But your, your body has a way of checks and balances. 
when you start putting on gear, it kind of overrides those things. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So, so all of a sudden you have a 275-pound squatter with 400 pounds on his back, and that's not supposed to happen. Okay. Um, and over the, <clears throat> when you have someone who is so young and hasn't really built up the, uh, the base of strength or even, you know, the bone density to handle some of this stuff, then you really start, it starts, it's scary as shit. Yeah. You know, and, well, you know, I've been to many, many meets and you see these uh, young kids with these super duper suits on and they, you can still see their femurs and they got the chicken wings in back, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I almost feel, I feel sorry for them a little bit because I feel sorry that the parents suck that much. That they would let their kids do this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that's not even, like, I'm not exaggerating at all. I mean, that's just the bottom line. That's, you know, parents, uh, or they were, you know, their parents aren't there and there's someone in the waiting room that is allowing them to do this. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Yeah, I think you see a lot more injuries with stuff like that. Like you said, they haven't built up the the, the bone density and just the time under the bar. Yeah, and, um, it, and you know, I would like I would like to say so. Like they need to to, to put in their time because I think there was something to be learned. Uh, and I think we've all been there where you know we've all lifted for ten, twenty, thirty years, whatever. And I think it's important. I mean, I think I've learned a lot. You know, I'd be able to make a living off this. But yeah. just from a health standpoint, it is unbelievable. That, yeah. that anyone would love them to do this. I mean, it's scary and shit. Yeah. And uh, so, there you go. Deadlift-wise, training, um, raw versus equipped, any major differences? Are you talking to me again? Yeah, Sorry. talking to you again. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I think the biggest difference with, with, with when you put on a suit, especially if you pull conventional, is, uh, one, is you got to learn how to take the pain. Has anyone ever put on a, a, a good deadlift suit that feels like your nuts are just getting ripped off? Am I right, Phil? Have you worn one? Yeah. No, I haven't. Okay. It is it is one of the most painful, uh, awful things in the world. And in order for a suit to work well, it's got to be tight. And in order for a suit to be tight, it's going to dump you forward. So you really need to be strong enough to battle to get into that position. As far as training, um, obviously it's going to give you some pop off the ground. Uh, so maybe you don't need to work on that area, but I hate to tell people that because they don't want to neglect it. Um, but as far as training, I don't think there's going to be a huge difference like there is going to be the other list. So, and I don't pull sumo, so I don't know. I don't. I have no yeah. idea how people uh, train for that and stuff like that. So about so people ask me all the time about that, and I'm like, dude, just get strong legs, strong back, strong ribs, strong. You'll be fine. Yeah, you know, and I was going to say something further to that, um, the whole idea of what you're saying, where you hate to, you know, intimate that, you know, with this, you know, parameter of gear, you know, maybe you work this part less, this part more, you know, and you don't really want to say that because people are going to, you know, take that run with that way further yeah. than you meant. And I, I strongly agree with that and, and certainly agree, you know, further to that for what you just said, the last statement you said there, you know, j- just get strong. You know, and, and yeah. I think that's one thing that a lot of these uh, geared lifters, certainly the multiply stuff guys, you know, they you see these guys and they've almost become so specific to the gear that they use that in the long run it, it's actually pretty overwhelming just how actually, and this is a, probably a bad word for it because of obviously they're going to, you know, but but in the overall scheme of how they compete, you know, they they actually become weak. You know, you take all like the stuff dependent. 
Yeah, yeah because it's, well, yeah, that's it's, it's say. become such a specialist with you know their board presses to maximize. Like you were saying earlier, Jim, the whole idea that you know, and, it, and it's very true, right? I mean, where do where do raw bench pressers always fucking you know, like most of the time, where do they they fail, right? They fail at the chest, right? Um, yeah. You know, whereas you know most you know gear lifters they fail at the top, but that whole kind of thing, right? And if you get very, very, very specific with the equipment so that you're maximizing those things, sure, I mean, you, you maximize the equipment, you, you know, that, and that yields, um, you know, a lot of success on the platform. But, you know, in the, in the scheme of, you know, you have to think of what you're, what you're going for, you know what I mean? Do you actually just want to be a really strong guy, you know, or you just want to be like such, yeah. a spe- a, such a specialist, such a specialist that, you know, it's like I re- once read that, uh, and I, I certainly don't know if this is true. Still, because uh, it was on the internet, dude, it was true. Well, no, this is this is several years ago, but that Gene uh, Rickelek or Richelek or whatever his name is, the bench press yeah. guy, um, some guy was asking him. I think it was in Powerlifting USA. Somebody was asking him what his raw best raw press was, and he says, "Well, you know, I, I've never competed without the without the equipment." And he said, "Well, you know, in the gym." He says, "I have no idea because I've never ever gone over 450 without gear." And to me, that's very strange. And I'm not putting down Gene because I don't know the man. Um, you know, and it certainly he's one of the best, you know, multiply lifter bench pressers. But the whole thing is, I just don't really understand that mentality, really, because it's. Uh, I mean, he has no idea. I mean, the guy does over a thousand pounds with equipment, and he's never, you know, he's never tested himself well, over. The, four- the, the thing, yeah, I understand what you're saying. There's, there's two ways I kind of, I guess, I look at that though. Is one is, um, you know, people are, I hear that you know, what, what do you raw squat or what do you, you know, raw bench? It's like what. Even if you took it in the weight room, it's still not the same as taking it in the competition. You don't have the, the meat prep and, and the psych and stuff like that. So it's always going to be very, very skewed. You know, uh, you know, I hit 500 in the gym. It's like, well, yeah, but it wasn't 500 in the competition. Mm-hmm. And we all know when you know competition is if, if you're any if you got any sort of balls on you, you, you know, we call it meat magic. You're going to pull yeah. something out of your ass. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a little bit different. And the other thing is, uh, you know, when I first started lifting weights. I didn't want to, like when people cut right now, you know, like, oh, I really want to, you know, compete in this weight class. I never started lifting weights to get smaller. And I never want to get weaker. And when I lost that, when I lost the vision and of what this is all about, um, then I knew I was on the wrong path. And if, if I can't outdo myself in the basic lifts, whether it be, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, uh, press and a queen. If I'm not getting better at those things, then I'm, then I'm not getting better. And does that make sense to you guys? Oh yeah. And and so when that's when I lost that, that's when I knew I was on the wrong path. You know, when my when my shirted bench was more important than this other stuff, and I was like, it's just you know. Now, granted, if that's what your goal is, that's fine. But I, I still think that. And I really don't care. I just think that you lost the spirit of why we all did this in the first yeah. place. And, and I think no one, no, no one ever started lifting weights to be a pussy. Yeah, and you know what? You've kind of touched upon exactly what I was trying to say. The whole idea that you know, like, I mean, people have different, uh, you know, uh, goals and ideas of you know wh- yeah. how they want to be. But it really does to me, it, it to my mind, and certainly you've you know you've mirrored my my sentiments. The whole idea of you know. I would like to believe that most people who get into powerlifting, whether they, you know, whatever route they go, whether it be raw or multiple, whatever, that fundamentally, you know, the motivation, you know, the, the, the fire that's burning is, is, you know, based around the whole idea of just, I want to be stronger, you know? Yeah. If I walk into the gym and I have nothing with me except for a pair of shoes, 
I want to be able to do something huge, you know. And if there's yeah. such, and if there's such a discrepancy, such a discrepancy, um, you know, or, or and or you have no idea within 700 pounds, you know, of a margin where you are. It, to me, it kind of I don't understand the the, the psychology of, of. Certainly, I couldn't, um, you know, reconcile with that kind of. Well, you know, it's like Jim was saying too. It's it, nobody wants to walk into a gym or anywhere else to their buddies and say. Look how awesome this shirt is. You know, they're, they, you want to be awesome, not the shirt. Well, and I think you know. that's where lies a lot of the problem. I mean, I'm not hating on equipped lifters. Uh, I, a lot of my friends are, are, are great equipped lifters and they're strong as shit. But uh, the problem lies in, in those people, and I've seen it time and time again, that they miss a, meet, a lift and a meet, and you hear them after the meet, and all they're talking about is, oh, shit, I need a new shirt, or I didn't take time to learn my suit enough. And they don't talk about, I need to get stronger. Um, yeah, that's a problem. Well, Phil, you know? let me ask you this then. And actually, all three of you guys, obviously, you guys would be great people to ask this. So, what about the the principle of, you know, just wearing equipment in your training to bury yourself with more weight and make yourself a better raw lifter because you're teaching, like I don't know, your central nervous system or something, just to bear more weight. What do you, you know, think about the veracity? Yeah, you know, of that? I, Louis Simmons once told me something very interesting about that, and I brought this up on the show i think last year the whole he told me you know oh you know none of our lifters are ever you know they all regardless they can at the end of it you know whatever right cycle with their with their equipment that, that they all are stronger period and, and certainly the, the, for, for the reasons that you're um mentioning lonnie the whole idea of you know just cer- certainly the psychological aspect of having the weight on you or whatever in your hands and certainly the you know the, the the nervous system probably uh, you know adaptation that might happen, but but I think it goes both ways. On the other side, I think you can, as Jim was saying, so many so many of the ways that you eat, like even squat within suits versus not in suits, is so different that yeah. I, I I almost tend to think that probably in the long run, you know, when you distill it all down. Um, the, the pluses and the negatives probably cancel each other out. <laughs> but is is there a time for it, Rob or Jim or Phil? Is there no, a time no. to do that? I'm going to tell you why because the, the, because it, it changes the strength curve, okay? And that that screws everything up. Yeah. And number two, hugely, hugely. Yeah. I'm going to and, and I'm going to probably piss a ton of people off on this. I always get people asking me, "Hey, do I should I do heavy negatives? Do I do walkouts? I don't know anyone worth a shit in this sport. I'm talking fucking strong people that ever really do that. They all just get super fucking strong. They walk on the platform and they do it. They don't need to, you know, how many people do you know really do that that are worth that are just fucking strong? How many great throwers in the shot putting world did that? You know, guys who were fucking strong and fast. Well, I'll tell you what, Jim, the science is going to back that up. You only get strong in the range of motion you work, you know, or you only get stronger concentrically if you're doing muscle shortening lifts. You know what I mean? So stuff like just walkouts or just negatives That'll make you good at those things. Yeah, and, right? and I guess what I'm trying to say is, is, is you know, besides the equipment thing, you know, being, being changing the strength curve, I don't buy that for a second because I, everyone I know who trains primarily in equipment and stuff always gets weaker at, at the raw list. And that's okay, if, like I said, if you're that your competition. Yeah. But at the other end of the spectrum, I, I just don't buy it because I've never seen it. And there's a lot of guys out there who will say, well, I've done it. I said, dude, you bench 255. Come on, man. <laughs> like, that doesn't count, you know? Oh, careful now. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, I brought my bench to 270. I'm like, well, yeah, you're one dude, and, and you're really not that strong. 
And you would have yeah. done it anyway if you would have just followed a program that wasn't shitty. And so for, for <laughs> right, everyone, right, you know, yeah. it's just the bottom line. And they, yeah. it's like, I, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to, I'll probably hold. It, it's just not going to work. And you can, you know, for every person that I may work for, there's a thousand people that I want. So, yeah. Well, well that's what I'm saying. I think there's space you know, validity to that idea that if you can handle the weight, like, like Fortress said, just in your tennis shoes and a pair of shorts, you know, th- that's got face value as opposed to uh, well, here's, trying to work your way you around bench, it and get too complex with it, you know. If you want to bench 600 pounds in a shirt, the best way to do it is bench 590 without it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you see, the, I mean, it's, it's a dickhead kind of thing to say. Uh, you're only going to wear it a couple times more or less before a meet, and you're only doing it for a meet. Like, there's really no other reason to ever use that to train for a meet, right? I don't, I don't, you know, a lot of, I don't think so. Okay. But a lot of people think seem to think that you need to spend hours and hours on it to perfect it, where I would rather spend hours and hours perfecting my strength and just being, and I, I believe in myself. Like, my best bench press in a shirt was done with a shirt I never wore before in my life. I just put it on the meat. I don't think it, I don't think you need, like, you know, people think that you got to have, like, a voodoo magic to make this shit work. All you need is a little bit of smarts and a lot of balls. And that's just my personal feeling. I don't think, you know... But some, just like anyone else, you, like, you never go into the weight room, right, to 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 lift le- to lift less weight. So all of a sudden, you have this apparatus that allows you to. What the fuck do you think you're going to do? Sorry, what the hell do you think you're going to do? You see what I'm saying? Because it gets addictive. You know, yeah. like, ah, shit, I'm going to put on my shirt and I'm going to put a board on my chest now. You know, yeah. now I can lift three times as much. It's perfect. So, <laughs> right, with with one third of the range of motion, right, and a, yeah. and a bunch of support, yeah. Yeah, and some dude on each side lifted up. Uh, what was that guy's name? Jimmy the Bull. Remember that guy? Jimmy uh, Paletia, man. Paletia. Yeah. I had lunch with that guy once. <laughs> that guy had the skinniest <laughs> wheels I've ever seen. Well, I never forget. I read an interview with him, and he told everyone, every kid needs to quit his job or quit school and, and start uh, and start uh, manual labor. It makes us strong. <laughs> like, that's mm. great, great plan for the kids, dude. <laughs> Thanks for great that. Great plan. <laughs> Responsible. Yeah, I, I like when he was using the actually using a forklift to assist him in the bench press. That was that was worthwhile. Yeah, forklift was classic. I mean, I mean, you know what? I mean, Rob, so he got fourteen hundred pounds on. I mean, it's like, who the I, hell has any idea? I mean, for for all I know, you could be pressing the equivalent of two pink dumbbells. I don't know what the hell you're doing. But you know what, Rob? I think that shows the extreme outer limits of of what kind of what Jim's talking about. You know, if, if the question is, will will equipment make you stronger? Well, would a forklift helping you make you stronger? You know. Well, I was going to say something. I was going to say something a few minutes earlier. I mean, I think I think you can really, you know, uh, the conclusion to this whole thing can be just like you know, when you look at the you know the the success of somebody who's super strong, like Jim saying, and then just happens to throw something on, you know, and maybe does a couple sets just to f- feel it out, you know, his success versus somebody who. You know, who trains 90% of the time with equipment, and then all of a sudden, oops, you know, I lost it, or they don't approve it, and I can't use it. What's his success going to be? The other thing you have to understand, it's like uh, the person who's got that big strength background has a bigger chance at succeeding with the equipment mm-hmm. over a longer period of time because he's got, this, he's got more of a strength reserve or tap or whatever you want to say, and that's always going to come into play. So when he does want to put the stuff on, maybe he does want to specialize it. It's gonna just gonna be a, it's gonna be a greater thing. But 
bottom line that we're constantly about is if you want to be better, you should just get stronger. It's okay, like now let me... Like I, I want to continue people. to be devil's advocate here. Phil, I got a question for you then. So okay. your shoulder, was, you know, you tweaked your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Did you did you wear a bent shirt or did you not? No. Would it have helped in that situation? <sighs> or do you probably not? not because I just came out of... Uh, Probably not, because I'd probably come out of position just like I did on the bench. What happened is, as I my my shoulder became it, it it rose up, it came out of retraction and depression, and it mm-hmm. you know popped my spinatus. So if I did the same thing in a shirt, it'd probably be worse. Well, what? Okay, then because I had more load on. Well, yeah, for example, my shoulder you actually could have made you actually could have made the injury worse. Yeah, because yeah. because of the equipment for I, sure. Yeah, well, I think what you're trying to say is this equipment. Uh, um, does equipment to prevent injuries? That was well, or, yeah, or does it help you deal with them? Or right, train around um, them? I think it can, mm-hmm. uh, but but here's the thing: is how many people here have had an injury? And I guarantee everyone here. And you try and work through it, mm-hmm. and it gets worse. Yeah. Okay. And what happens is it's just like I always it's like putting a bandaid over a gaping wound. It's just not helping anything at all. And the best thing to do is get it healed rather than covered up with a, with a suit or a shirt or brief or whatever you want to say and just work through it because it eventually it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So while it may, in the short term, maybe alleviate some of the things, all right, and you and I love when people use it, well, I just wear equipment because I don't want to be injured. It's like, dude, you wear equipment to lift heavier weights. Don't, uh, yeah. don't bullshit a bullshit, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, but yeah, I, I think while it may cover up some issues, eventually they're just going to be there forever and make it worse. So I do see what you're saying, though. Here's one for you. Um, kind of a topic that we touched on a few weeks back. How much, how much stronger do you really believe people are now than they were like 30 years ago? Um, you know, you see, you hear it all the time. Well, oh, we've gotten so much stronger, this and that. All these records are being broken, but. You know, what would really happen if, let's say, we took Paul Anderson and put him in the equipment that's here now today? Or if, well, uh, if Kaz had the same thing? Here's the thing, as, as I will argue, is the strongest people right now are not obviously not lifting weights yeah. uh, competitively. So I look at the people who are the strongest right now in the world, and there's usually, you know, obviously throwers and football players. And I think they're arguably stronger uh, in a lot of different ways. Maybe not always in the weight room, but in, in many other ways. So there's something to think about there. Yeah. I mean, the big, you know, um, and you have to understand too, though, is the only people that we know and remember from the old days are the strong ones. Yeah. There's a lot of people who sucked back yeah. in the day. I mean, I have a whole, a, a huge ton of uh, articles from um, that Dr. Ken had given me from um, the old, you know, muscle and strength or I can't muscle mm-hmm. builder days or something. And I looked at some of the meat results, and some of these guys, like you know, that would way behind, you know, most of the people were not very strong. Yeah. Uh, really not strong. And gotcha. so, you know, we kind of romanticize a lot about that stuff, you know. I just watched a video today of uh, Kirk Kurowski lifting. Mm-hmm. One of my, I love watching that guy train. Yeah. And, but, you know, he only trained, <laughs> he did a raw meet, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. He only trained once a week, you know. And yeah. uh, so like, I always watch this stuff and, and I just you know, get enamored with it. Just because it's, but it's not like we remember the guy that finished eighth to Kirk. Yeah. You know. We always so, remember, you know, 30 years later, we always remember the exceptions, you know. Yeah. So, the the five mean, or six people. 
take that take that for what it's worth. I mean, yeah, it's like when we look at the records and stuff. You know, what if the same guys today from that were not wearing equipment, you know, just trained raw, would they would they break these records? And there's no doubt that they would over a, a period of time. And there's gonna be some exceptions, like Ed Cohn's 901 deadlift uh, raw. Yeah. He pulled that sumo. I mean, that's that's just un, ungodly. But what happens is it's, it's like the four-minute mile. Once someone does something and sees that it's possible, then they, someone goes ahead and ups it. It's just human nature, and uh, it's just you can't. Even, it's it's hard to even argue with that. Yeah. So I mean, how ran what nine miles four minutes? No one had done it ever, and then how many people did it the year after? Yeah. Like you know, thirty or forty people. Like yeah, fuck it, it's impossible. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. Budget. Sounds good. I think we're we're about out of time here, so um, I think it was a good show. Anything else you want to hit up? Uh, websites, anything like that you want to shoot up? Uh, I still answer questions on uh, Elite FTS, uh, and of course I have my own website, JimWonder.com. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you, Phil, for everything you've done for me, man. I appreciate it. No worries. And, anytime. I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk to you later today. I got got some stuff to go over. So, but Sounds thank good. you guys for having me on. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot, everybody. All right, we'll see you next week. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and protein. You can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, This is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.